Hey everybody, I want to take a second to tell you about Snagit 2022. I don't have time to go into all the details about Snagit 2022, but it has a variety of options for fast and easy to use video creation. It's got new ways to work across devices and platforms with the new cloud library. And your purchase or upgrade includes your first year of maintenance and the newly updated Snagit certification course. With 20 plus videos of Snagit how-tos, certification is a great way to help you speed up your workflows, unlock potential, and get your work done faster. So check out Snagit 2022 today at snagit.com. And now back to the podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are watching right now, live or listening to the recording after the fact or on the podcast. We're so gr- glad that you're here. We've got a great day and it's been a little tech hectic before this, so I'm all riled up and excited, but we're glad that we're here. We're going to be talking about customer education, uh, customer adoption of new products, keeping them in there. It's going to be fantastic. So with that said, just a reminder, if you're watching or listening to the show and you find something particularly useful, go ahead and share it out on social media. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know what it is that you like about the show, what you're finding valuable so we can do hopefully more of that. And if you've got other feedback or questions, you can always email us at thevisuallounge at techsmith.com. We'd love to hear all your feedback, even though sometimes, you know, it's like, I don't agree, but that's okay. We can disagree and agree to disagree and still be friends. So let's get into today's show because we've got another great one for you. So with that said, let me introduce today's guest. Cutler Bleeker is currently the learning experience designer for Skilljar, a customer training platform that accelerates product adoption and improves customer retention. He always had a passion for both teaching and technology, receiving an undergraduate degree in education, as well as a master's degree in instructional technology. As a former high school business and technology teacher, Cutler taught everything from accounting and computers to graphic design and video production. After teaching, he transitioned into educational technology as a product expert and a content creator for Classworks, a K-12 software company based near Atlanta before moving across the country to Seattle and starting with Skilljar. And Cutler is a fantastic guy to talk to. He's an engaging individual and he knows a lot about customer education and uh, being a customer of his, I get to learn from him, and I'm excited to have Cutler Bleeker on the Visual Lounge. Welcome, Cutler. So glad you're here. Yay. Thanks, Matt. No, that's an honor for me. I, I think like most people who you know, view your show and are familiar with your work, like we know you way better than you probably know us. But over the past year and a half, it's it's been great getting to know you a little bit. Well, well, thanks. And you know, that's, that's the fun part about this. We get to, you know, I love talking to people and if people want to get to know me a little bit more, that's, that's great too. But let's, let's take this time though, to get to know you, Keller, because that's really the, the, the key here, right? Like you're, you're the guest. So um, let's start off. We always like to start broad and kind of narrow in. So let's just start. You're obviously a, a transplant from education. What, what was it about it that you made you want to make that switch from education to customer education, because, you know, education's in the title, but kind of different audience, right? Yeah, I think a lot of the people I've talked to that have done similar switches over time is interesting because I don't think anyone ever found themselves in customer education as what they set out to do. They found they had a knack for it, they enjoy teaching, they may like technology, and they can kind of combine those passions, which is exactly what happened to me. So even at an early age, I just remember like just being asked like, Oh, like, how do you do this? Or like, where do you go to find this? And like, just kind of building those roots of like, yeah, I I enjoy explaining things to people and no better place to do that than customer education. 
Yeah, I love that. And I, I do think that's true for a lot of people that like you, you find out like, oh, I like explaining things. I'm good at it. And you end up somehow, be, even if you don't set out on that journey to do the customer education, you end up kind of being placed in that situation, whether you're like, that's your dream or not. Uh, I will say I am, I am a little bit different. I went right through school with the idea of doing training, although I thought it was going to be internal training and landed pretty early on in customer ed. So uh, some of us just love it there, though. It's a, it's a great place to be. And it's an interesting market, kind of like job space wise, to see all the different companies that are hiring for good customer education people. We've said the word customer education about 12,000 times now. We'll see how many times more uh, people can, you know, take a drink every time they hear us say it. But for you, Cutler, what do you, when you say customer education, what's your definition? Oh, I was not prepared for this. However, <laughs> being put on the spot, uh, hopefully any any skill jar, you know, people watching, watching this can kind of get my back a little bit. But for me, customer education is, it goes beyond just like, learning something like you can you can learn something i can pick up my phone start scrolling through some social apps and learn how this person like you know used this tool to create this thing however that's not necessarily education i learned something kind of but i haven't applied it yet so just kind of combining that you learn and then you do and now like it's really kind of sunk in that's part of the learning process for me is the application so with customer education, I want to not just show you how to do something. I want to give you the opportunities and the tools you need to be able to do this on your own. Yeah, makes sense. So from a, you know, as you think about, we see this, we'll call it a dawning age of customer education right now, where lots of companies are starting to, to actually build out teams or have organizational structures around it. For you, what's the reason a company should be concerned about having some resources, kind of customer education resources for their for their customers. What's the value in it from a, because it's because I could see somebody saying, well, it's, it's, that's gonna cost us a lot to do that. So for you, what's the value? Yeah, for sure. So, and there's, there's plenty of information out there that can kind of support anything I'm about to say. However, when it comes to product adoption and then also getting into that you know retention and once you have customers, how do we keep customers and you know really move that you know bottom line when it comes to business impact? For me, that comes from education. You could have the best products or services in the world, however, if people don't take the time to learn them or really get to use them to their full capacity, they may not stick around long enough for it to you know be successful for your company. And that's where that's where our field for customer education really comes in. It's how do we get the customers? How do we make them comfortable with our products and tools and services? And then how do we get them to like really dig into our like offering as soon as they have expanded beyond like the basics? Do you have like kind of second and third tier uh, things that some of your, your audience may need to learn? And yeah, that's, that's customer education and customer education plays a huge role in not just the adoption, but also the retention of customers. Yeah, and I think a, a lot of the world is moving to a software as a service model, or you know that you, you, the idea of keeping customers. It's always been important, right? I, I I was thinking about this as I was thinking about talking with you today. Uh, a scene from The Office comes to mind. Where, if anyone's not an Office fan, I apologize. But there's a scene where Michael Scott learns that from the the intern uh, that that 
keeping a customer is actually much more effective than getting new customers. Um, and it seems that's what customer education is really about, right? Like keep, you want to keep your customers and you want your customers to be successful. So for, for you, Cutler, what, what have you found to be successful in that? Like, you know, we've talked kind of high level about what it is, um, but if someone was, if they're brand new and hearing this, what, what kind of things should people be making or doing in customer education? Because it seems like there's lots of overlap potentially between what we call customer education and you've got in your sales team, you might have like customer success and you might have marketing that's doing some of the similar things. So what, what does that niche kind of look like for you and what you do and for you, what you think other customer education professionals could be doing? Yeah, for sure. So first off, huge office fan. So yeah, nice. Ryan talking about how it's 10 times more expensive <laughs> to sign a new client than keep an existing one. Um, but yeah, as far as just the impact of that, um, it's, it really comes down to all these departments kind of work hand in hand, like my CS team, uh, you know, implementation, even products, uh, our solutions, our support teams, they all work together as part of this customer experience. We want them to, to know what's available. We want to be able to support them in different areas. And um, yeah, it's just, it's crazy how well all of these pieces can work together. So it doesn't have to be a standalone, like you have to have a huge budget to have a customer education team you already have things in place that work for customer education. The trick is how do we make that a little bit more scalable? I can't have somebody on the implementation team necessarily like answering the same question over and over as it comes up when we could just create a resource for that. Now it exists and we can refer them to that. If they still have questions or want to dive a little deeper, we can, we can have those conversations at that point, but it's really, it's about scale. We want to be able to, go from you know this size customer base to this size customer base and how do we get there without you know matching customers and staff one to one so just kind of removing that model and getting into all right let's create those resources and i view this very differently as a learning experience designer i think about just the customer experience from the day they sign as a customer the whole way through you know launching their products or launching their own training site and beyond. So when they come to us, I want to make sure they know like what it is they should be doing. What, like, not only what should they be doing right now, what should they be prepared and start having the conversations to do next? You don't want to be caught off guard there either. So it's, it's providing those on demand and even uh, kind of virtual live training events that can really give your customers and your audience what they need. So there are a lot of terms that get thrown out there for it and it, it can sit in different departments, but uh, yeah, customer education and just giving your audience what they need to be successful go hand in hand. Yeah, I, well, I, I love this. And I think as we talked, uh, you know, I've, I've been around the customer education space for a really long time. And I, I it's just it so interesting to think about like that journey your customers go on. In fact, you know, we talk about that all the time. Like where, where are our customers at? Where, what do they need at what points along that journey? And uh, it's interesting you mentioned that uh, for you, it's like when a customer is just starting to come on board, right? Like they're, they're signing their contract or doing whatever. Do you think there's a role for, for customer education pre that? Or is it really, do you really just kind of pick up like when someone becomes truly a, a like signed dot, on the dotted line customer, um, We'll, we'll go with that. I've got some follow-up questions to that too. 
Sure, absolutely. Great question. And I completely agree. We we try to focus on and provide as much information to people even before they sign. We want them to know who we are and what we offer and the style of content you know we deliver to them. They can start seeing that value and that even helps with the sales cycle sometimes. So it, if we can get you know those prospects to start kind of understanding what we offer and how to do things, we make things as simple as possible, they're gonna be even more willing to just sign and jump on board, but now they're hitting the ground running. They don't have to start from scratch. Yeah, I, I have been through enough uh, technology uh, like cycles where we look at different technologies and we you know, end up picking one and implementing one that I love the company that will give me the, uh, more information up front so I can, I can see what I'm, you know, not, not only what I'm gonna get and really understand it, but just making sure I, like, like I know they're a partner. Does that make sense? Like I wanna feel like a partner that I'm not just a, you know, you talked about going from a small user base to a big user base, I, I, but I don't, I don't, as a customer, I don't wanna be in that big pool, right? I wanna feel like it's personal. I wanna feel like um, there's good information for me. And so I, I love when companies are kind of laying out their cards on the table and saying like, yep, this is what we do. This is what you can, here's the information you're gonna need, uh, especially as someone who, when I'm the implementer, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like I'm not just buying it. I'm not the, I'm not the purchaser. I'm the one that has to implement it. So uh, I, I love that that line of thinking. So let's, let's we got kind of a critical point that hinge point we'll call it uh, of the uh, purchase, right? Like pre got all the stuff you wanna do to get sales. Then you got the post. For you, um, it feels like in a lot of tools, there's kind of different parts of you, like your onboarding, uh, but how do you make sure that you're, you're covering the wide base of everybody from the new people to the people who maybe have been with you for a couple years? Like how do you, from a kind of strategy standpoint, from a customer education view, how do you do that? Because it feels like all of a sudden, you know, it's nice to have all the information, but then there can be just way too much to manage or create or to be able to make sure people can even find. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. And it's a complete balancing act. Um, I totally get the pain and the struggle that some departments may feel when it comes to like figuring out that balance, because um, even as a small team ourselves, like I, you know, am constantly trying to figure out what's, what's the balance of, all right, let's create something for prospects. Let's create something for people getting started. Let's focus on updating anything we have that's now out of date as your product gets refreshed or revamped. And then on top of that, having um, just just fresh new content, new ideas for that existing customer base as well. So as a small department, it, it does get a little tricky, but it's possible. And it's really just kind of understanding your audience. We we try to focus on some just persona based uh, content creation. We want to make sure that we're providing more content in all of the areas. We're not focusing solely on one. And beyond that, we're also starting to get more focused on different, uh, almost like customer levels, like enterprise customers may not need the same thing as kind of a small medium business when they're getting started. They may have more resources so we can kind of identify their experience a little bit differently. And once you start looking at those things and working with your team to decide like, all right, what do we need? Who do we need it for? And when do we need this? When is always now, however. So <laughs> right. I think everyone understands that. But it, we can at least start prioritizing like the order in which we create the things, even as a small team. 
Yeah, it's definitely it does feel like a balancing act, and uh, you know, it's hard without like sometimes you and I should just sit down and talk specifics about like what you're doing and trade some secrets because I feel like there's so much you could do, but it's also uh, dependent on what you're doing. That like what your product is, what you're doing, uh, who you're you know, your audiences, what, what, what groups. Cause like, I love even the idea of like thinking about personas across that, like, who are you talking to? And, um, you know, I imagine a company like Skilljar, which is a learning platform for those that don't know, you know, there's, you probably got your admins and you got your authors and you've got your end users. And whereas like Camtasia, it's like, we've got about 20 more of those things we could talk about. So it makes it different challenges for different products. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do want to go to, I'm going to bring in a question from our audience because it's. I thought it was an interesting question based on what we're talking about. Garth on YouTube is asking, how do you convince the powers to be? Always great question, right? Because we know that probably we're not the ones in charge of everything. So there's powers to be. How do you convince the powers to be to align customer education to internal education? He goes on to say, I've seen salespeople sell something the product can't do only found out from customer education folks. And so really great, interesting question here is we're talking about, we're gonna build out all this stuff and it's, we want our customer customers to be learned. What role does customer education or CE, we can start calling it, have in that kind of internal, uh, making sure the sales team is on on topic and on knowledgeable about those things. What do you think? Sure, I'll speak to this as much as I can as a non like sales team person. However, I, I do get the opportunity to create educational materials for kind of all areas of our house. So I think enabling your sales team with like just current up to date factual information is huge because what's going to end up happening is if and my my team, thankfully, this has not become an issue, but I've seen it in other places. I've talked to people about this it can be a huge issue when you have a sales team that's just trying to drive the sale and they may over promise and then ultimately under deliver, which nobody ever wants to be in that situation. Somebody signed with you because you told them they could do X. And then once pens to paper, they realize they can't do that. And do you think that's going to be a great customer experience? Do you think they're going to stick with you for the long term? Uh, I would guess not, but it's really just making sure, and sometimes it may happen accidentally. A salesperson may just say you can do something without actually being able to do it. So working with those departments within your org can really make a difference on making sure they know the limitations of your product. They know what to say if a question comes up and like, maybe we can't do that, but it's on the roadmap or it's not, or uh, it's, there is a workaround for that, that we can, we can solve for you. But Never, ever overpromise because it doesn't end well. Yeah, and if I'm, I'm just gonna let me take a stab at Garth's question because I think I think I like what you said uh, that you know it's gonna it's just gonna be a better experience in those customers. You're not gonna keep those customers ultimately. I think from a convincing standpoint, you can start to to one talk about real dollars and cents with with uh, you know the the people the powers that be right, but also I think starting to. Th see how there's, op I think from a customer education standpoint, there's this huge opportunity to be awesome partners to sales teams and to technical support and, and service teams, because oftentimes they're looking for answers, right? Uh, or they want to share good information. And uh, I know in our team, even uh, I've had some of our sales team members reach out and say like, Hey, I saw you did this interview with so-and-so 
you know, is that is that someplace we could easily share it, right? And they, they just, I needed a, that mechanism to get that to them. And of course, it's, you know, like the visual lounge content's pretty easy to find on YouTube and all over the place. But they were just so excited to share it because of the concept that we talked about in that interview worked really well with the client and customer that they were talking to. And I think like starting to help the, the senior leadership or whoever's making those decisions see like, look, this is going to help us move the needle on not only potential new sales, but retention, you know, you're not going to have to work as let's hope not as work as hard to get the people to stay with you. And then even, you know, expansion, right? Like it, it cause we're talking business here. I, and I want to be clear, like, this is what we do in business. You want to get new people, you want to keep the people you've got and you want them to spend more money. And I think customer education is a great way to help in that process. It's not the only, it's not the end all be all, but if you get them, they're excited to work with you. They know you're providing them great information. That is a win-win-win, again, using office terminology, uh, to, to get people to, 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 to move, right? To be, able to be there and stay with you. And I think it's for senior leadership, there's going to be some dollar and cents conversations. You might, and I don't know what that looks like in terms of formulas to figure that out, but it does seem like you could ask enough questions like, how many times has this happened? How often do we see churn, people leaving us, and why are they leaving us? And is it, be, you know... And I've left products because I felt like I couldn't get value out of it. I don't know about you, Cutler, but I've, I've definitely felt like, ah, I'm not using this like I should. Uh, I guess I'm going to cancel my subscription. You know, I had a website. <laughs> I, I just, this year, last year, I canceled, I got rid of it. I just blew it up because I wasn't doing anything. It was just sitting there. Um, and so I, I think, Garth, that's, that's some of my answers, dollars and cents on a lot of this. I will just add one more thing there is... Yeah. When I'm creating something for our audience, it's going to be a little bit more polished and put together than maybe what our internal training materials could look like. But because of that, that means it's faster to create that content because, A, I don't have to like polish it up and like, you know, have fancy this or fancy that. However, um, these conversations are already happening. You have, you know, people within your organization talking to customers. And if those calls are ever recorded or somebody that's an expert on that topic doesn't mind just recording themselves, like just talking through that response, we can chop that up and make it a resource available for you know, the sales team to actually reference. And it's like, all right, now everyone learned. And that was such a low lift on the content creation front. Yeah, actually, that leads into my next question beautifully. So that, what a great what a great way to reading reading into the future. Because uh, my question I had is like, what's like when we start to think about building this customer education content for our customers, what makes it different than internal? Like you just mentioned internal training. You said it's kind of a you know it's going to be more polished. Are there other things that are going to be different about customer education versus the other? You know. Let's even look at like from internal training and maybe even from marketing content. Cause I know there's kind of this, there's lots of gray areas like marketing content, customer education content, you know, internal, external training. So for you, what, what makes it different? Sure. First thing that comes up is like, oh, you make videos. Great. We can use you to do this and this and this. So I'm sure, I'm sure Matt hears that all the time, but, um, and the content varies because your audience varies. So First thing about any video production is just knowing your audience. And when it comes to knowing your audience, it's also knowing like, what are they there to do? What do they need to do next? What might they need to explore? If I watched this content, like 
what else might I be interested in? So kind of mapping out what that looks like for your audience or your customers is a great place to start. But um, these conversations that teams have, a lot of times we found it's really easy to just, we bring in like, you know, somebody from the CS team, customer success for those that maybe call it something else at their companies, but somebody from customer success has had this conversation over and over with customers. Let's bring them in to talk to the sales team, uh, you know, the product team, so they understand. And the more people in your organization that understand what's happening and um, kind of what your audience or customers are asking about and what they need to know, the better because everyone ends up kind of improving and learning. So when it comes to creating content for you know, maybe something HR needs or maybe something um, you know, internal enablement, uh, even onboarding, getting into customers or even um, just prospect or thought leadership pieces, it's all gonna look different because your audience is different. But um, I guess those main differences are almost the production value that you want to put forth into it. And depending on your philosophy, some people may decide, all right, I am just, I'm down to earth. When you see a, a Matt Pierce video, he's just, he's who he is. He's not trying to polish it up. He's just going to be himself. Some people may feel, all right, well, we, we kind of maybe put a little more thought and scripting into this or that. And it's like, well, some people just want to go off the cuff. So it's just the, the planning and the isn't everything in video production, you know, in pre-planning phase anyway. Yeah. But the planning aspect is huge, but part of that is just it's knowing who you're creating it for. And not that you're cutting corners for certain content. It's just maybe it doesn't have to be perfectly polished and on brand if I know this is going to be something viewed by you know an, an internal team member. Yeah, I think there, I think that's a, a great point that you're gonna you know look at your audience, make what make sure you makes you're making what makes sense for them, uh, and just you know I, I I always put on a suit and tie when I want to be I put it make it a little more polished. I don't, I, not at all. I actually don't. Um, <laughs> but you know, since you're talking about video production and some of that, I'm, I'm curious for you. You know, obviously we're big fans of video. We're big fans of images at TechSmith. We use them all the time. But there's, it's always not the silver bullet. So, you know, when you're creating content, because you, you're creating for this whole platform and there's so many different options of things you could probably do. What are, what's factoring in, besides just audience, what's factoring into how you decide which format something should be? You know, if you're, you're going to create content for your customers, what kind of, do you have a checklist of things? You're like, yep, this is going to help me understand what is the uh, kind of the right content or do you just... Or you've got just maybe you're all like, we're all in on video or we're all in on text for you. What what goes into that decision making process? Oh, yeah. A million things go into it, which is great. But um, one of the biggest things is just time. Maybe it's better for me to just put something out there. Maybe I have a text lesson within my course that explains this until I can get a video. So sometimes it's a placeholder um, and time is going to be the biggest factor of that. Some things, and Matt, I'm sure you've you've come across this yourself, but when it comes to video creation, everyone expects everything has to be a video now, and it really doesn't. It's what's going to work well for that. Sometimes just visualizing with a graphic could be the easiest way to go. Sometimes just having a text lesson, or I've seen audio files used well. It's just, yeah, somebody explained this to me, and 
Um, you know, it wasn't high production value, but it made perfect sense. The ultimate goal is, did you, did the content that your subject matter expert have make it to your audience and whatever format or mediums the, you know, most effective way to do that from a time budget resources perspective, uh, I say, go for it. And the cool thing about education and learning and even our like training academies are you can always change it. Just put something out there, have it there. If it works great, if it doesn't, like it's not carved in stone. You can, you can always update things as you need. For sure. I love that. Right. And, and sometimes you just got to get stuff out. So you start with whatever's easiest. That's what I find, right? Like, Oh, we'd love to do a video of this, but you know what? It's going to take me a little bit. So let's just do a screenshot or let's just do something. To, let's make a rough video instead of a polished video. You just, you know, sometimes it's better to have an answer. Um, so thinking about, uh, you know, I know you've been, you've talked about making video and you've been, it sounds like you've been making a lot more video. You got a great setup there, great backdrop. Um, what advice would you give? So let's say there's someone who's just starting in customer education and they see this interview or they see this content that you're making for skill jar. And they're like, I want to, I want to talk to Cutler. What advice would you give someone who's just trying to get into making video, uh, to help them get started? Cause I, I seem to remember there was a time when I, I, we met and you were setting up your living room to do a bunch of video shoots. And <laughs> like, it was pretty, it was not, it did not look like what you have behind you right now. Sure. It's start where you are and use what you have. Um, it's, it's always a tricky thing when it comes to video. And I'll tell you what, the, the nerves, I was joking before we even started broadcasting today, if I'm jumping on a, a video being broadcast publicly with Matt Pierce, like, does my lighting look okay? Is he going to rip me from my audio? So there's, there's always different things that you have to think about. And it's really just use what you have. I think if anyone, me included, if I go back and look at some stuff I did six months ago, a year ago, I'm going to cringe at like, oh man, I was still using that, or I had that lighting, or it, it's an iterative process and you just improve the little things where you can. I think one of the, the best things I ever learned from any of Matt's videos, which also a great place to start when you're trying to learn video production, is your audio makes a huge difference. And he's talked about it over and over, and it's really sunk in with you have to make sure your audio it doesn't have to be the you know crazy hi-fi audio it just has to be good enough but bad audio will certainly ruin some content um but yeah it's i, I remember the video you're talking about it was like right after we all went and started working from home back in probably march of 2020 and i think i had a cell phone camera i had a step stool i was using to like hold a microphone up close enough um it's, it's used what you have, and so there's tons of resources out there. One of my favorite is anything that uh, Matt's actually put out. I think TechSmith Academy is one of the, the best resources because they're not just creating content for their customers, they're creating it for the industry, anyone looking to get into this, and they make it very approachable. So even as a personal user, I'll, I'll thank Matt for getting me where I am today. Oh, well, thank you. That's so nice. And we, we didn't pay Cutler to do that, say that, but we're so glad that you did. You, you know, and it's so interesting. I'm glad you brought this up that we start where we are because, you know, like, I mean, even it's true of me, right? Like if you go back to that around that same time period, I think I was using a cell phone for a cam, like for a streaming webcam, 
you know, I, I think I had the Blue Yeti, but I've upgraded, I, I didn't really upgrade. I changed over to a different microphone that I stopped so I didn't hit it as much. Um, but it's so hard to realize that because I think the thing that I see is that you look at your, the, the industry we'll, and we'll say customer education, we'll, you could say YouTube, and everybody seems to be up here. And if you're just starting, you're like, oh, I don't look as good as, and it's really easy to compare yourself to what Skilljar is doing or what TechSmith is doing. And, uh, and there's a great quote, it's, uh, comparison is the theft of joy uh, or is the thief of joy. And it's like, that's so true. Like if you're down here and this is good enough for your audience and it's getting you started, you keep working on it, you'll get up here, um, but don't get caught up in the comparison because it's, who really cares? And uh, we are, we're big fans, Cutler. We're never gonna make fun or pick on your lighting. You've got great lighting, you got great audio. And sometimes our guests don't, you know, like sometimes it's hard because they're just working from home and doing their things that they're doing. And it's not, this is not their job to be on stream and on the internet all day. So we're just glad that you're here. I'm glad that people will put up with my shenanigans. I appreciate that. That's that's the highest praise, I think. <laughs> you're, you're doing a great job. It's, 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 it's impressive just to see how far, far you've come and you're, you're what, I guess that's what, almost two, a year and a half. Is that, I don't know. Time has no meaning. <laughs> so, so let's, let's do this. I want to look at some data. Can we look at some data from a, a recent study TechSmith did? And I know you probably haven't, maybe you went out and saw the data since I know you watched the show. Uh, but we're going to look at this and I, I want to talk about a couple, couple spots. So this, before we get into it, this is the video viewer study. We'll drop links in the, the chat so people can get access to that. Um, but what it is, is basically we went out and surveyed, we actually had a company go out and survey about 900 different people about watching instructional or informational videos. And so let me pull this, this up here. So hopefully you can see that, Cutler. Um, we've got this question, why do people stop watching an instructional or informational video? And I wanna get your take. Uh, we'll zoom in, let me zoom in here a little bit, see if we can make it a little bit more read readable. So reasons why people stop watching. Number one, I received the information I needed. And I'm just, this, we're doing a reaction video, Cutler. This is like, what do you think about, as from a customer, <laughs> I know, right? Like, oh my gosh. From a customer education standpoint, does that ring true for you as the number one reason why people probably stop watching your videos? Or do you think there's something else going on? I would hope that's the reason. That's the, the best case scenario for why they stopped watching my videos. But that also gets into that whole metric of we're looking at, uh, you know, registrations versus completions and that completion percentage becomes a huge factor. And some some companies, they they base their whole program on completion percentage. And I don't know that that's always the best case for for most people. If you're creating, imagine yourself as a learner, like remove yourself from like a content creator. If you started the video and you got the information you need, are, are you obligated to watch the rest of that? If I wish you could like, you know, go to like an in-person concert. I heard the song I needed. All right, bye. <laughs> like, that's the only thing I needed. I didn't need all the rest of it. So that that's a best case scenario is they got what they needed and they bounced. That usually affects my completion percentage, but uh, taking that with a grain of salt, I think it's, it's also just showing value. Uh, customers will usually be very open to telling you like if this didn't give them the information they need. So using yeah. those two pieces of feedback or input together help. Now I'm thinking about going to a festival, you know, like in back in the day it was the big Lollapalooza. So I'm like, I just want to see one band. I'm not watching anybody else. I'll sit, sit out the rest, right? Like it's, 
you're there. Enjoy it. Uh, but but that's so true with videos, right? We don't know, and that's I think the hardest thing about this this stat is when we look at our our stats. It's hard to know if that's the reason. It's hard to know if someone l walked away because they got what they needed. But let's look at some of these others. I was not getting the information I expected. That's to me. So 17% of the people said said that they weren't. They stopped watching an informational or instructional video because they weren't getting the information they expected. So how do we counter this? Uh, you know, because this seems like that could be countered, and I don't mean that in a you know in a strategic way. We're thinking about we're going to put up this piece of content. People are going to go to it. How do we make sure that they're getting they we we set that expectation correctly? All right. So just like you have the completion percentage being affected by someone getting what they need and leaving, you know, a course or a lesson early. The same thing's true here. If they're not getting what they need and they leave, that also impacts your completion percentage. So one of the easiest ways to keep that up is be very clear upfront what the video covers. It's very simple, like provide that information about like, this is the video, this is what you can expect, this is what you'll learn afterwards. It's really kind of showing those learning objectives and letting someone know what to expect. Like if they start this and they make it to the end, this is what they'll get. So just by eliminating the, it's not what I expected by providing that information at the very beginning, you're gonna improve your completion percentage because people that are registering for that piece of content or consuming it are gonna, they know what they're getting. They'll probably consume more of it. Yeah, for sure. And I'll just point out that there was another one that's very similar. It didn't cover the right topic, right? Same, same principle. If you up, you're front loading that information, hopefully, hopefully you're you're making sure they're going into it with eyes wide open about, yep, this is what I'm going to get. This is what I'm interested in. I want to talk about, uh, I don't think we can help anyone when they got distracted by other work tasks. We can't change their work environment, but let's talk about this one. I was bored or was it interesting? I have uh, personally been through customer education experiences and not yours, but other others in my life that I'm just like, this is so boring to watch I, or, or to read. And it's like pain, it's like painful to get through it. So what role do we have to overcome this? Like what can, what do you think we can do here so that, and I'm not saying we should be entertainers, but what, what do you think we should do from a corporate, as a corporate entities, as businesses that are professional, in your, your view of the world, what, what do you think we should do here, Cutler? How can we make the people less bored or more interested if we can? Well, you're flattering to say, you know, none of my videos have ever bored you. You probably haven't seen all of them. So <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure there's stuff out there that's like, oh man, it's like, you know, late in the afternoon, you know, that lunch is hitting and I just want to like, you know, kind of tuck into a ball or go the other way and be overly productive. Yep. I'm bored. I'm out of this. So, um, I, I think the, this is a tough one. Cause like, it's hard to talk about, like, I'm a creator and I'm like the voice and the face for this particular video. If someone's bored by it, it's hard for me to not take that personally. Yeah. However, like you have to remove yourself from it. It's not that you're boring. It's maybe this content just wasn't the right fit for that person. So being able to provide content in more than one format can sometimes help. Um, so not to get into learning styles at all, but sometimes you're just not in the right place to be able to watch, uh, you know, 20 minute video when you could just, you know, hit a summary page and look at an outline and understand like, yep, this is all I needed. So 
as far as boring content or content that just isn't engaging, let's let's call it not engaging versus boring. Right. <laughs> I feel that's a harsh term. But if you have content that's not engaging, there's ways you can make it more engaging. You can provide like opportunities to provide input or feedback or apply your learning um, as you're going through it. So it's not just someone just sitting there watching your video because that's not always the most engaging. As far as you on camera or you know your voice, you can add excitement into your voice a little bit. And I find that talking to subject matter experts and people that are the right fit to talk about a certain topic, that passion comes through and that passion itself is engaging. So if you're not passionate about a subject and you're on screen just talking about it or reading from a script, it may not be the most engaging, but there are things you can do to, to improve that. And I think uh, interactivity, you'll hear you know gamification thrown out there from time to time, but even just simple things like Provide just polls or, all right, you just did this, now do this, or throw in some some non-subject-related um, like content. Show a little personality. Like there's, there's tons of stuff you can do. Well, I, th I love that, right? It's the idea of breaking up just when you got long content. It's hard to focus for a long time. There's a, a book, I think I've mentioned it on this show before, but uh, uh, Brain Rules, and I, I always forget his name. He, I know he's speaking at an upcoming conference I'm going to be at. I should remember his name. Anyways, but he talks about, he was a lecturer. He's in neurobio or neuroscientist. And he was saying that like every 10 minutes he knows he needs to reset his class. Like in an hour long lecture, every 10 minutes he has to do something kind of reset him. And I think it's the same thing we often think like people are just going to be interested in whatever our topic is, whatever we're passionate about for the same amount of length. And so how do you go about resetting people and getting them to, to think? But also I think the other thing I'll, I'll just mention to add on to what you said, because I, I love what you're saying with the interactivity, but also just how is this relevant to me? Why do I care about this? Why is this important? What's this gonna do? Is this gonna make this task easier? Is it gonna make it so I can use the product better? Am I gonna look like a rock star and be awesome in the sight of my boss? You know, so I think that relevancy is one that I, I always go back to just because it's it seems very important to, you know, your content. Some content is boring. Let's just be honest. I, I created some content in my life that was just about boring topics. To me, I didn't care about water purification. I did care about what hap what I do when there's an acid cloud, because that was like, whoa, this what we can have an acid cloud at this place? Holy cow! I mean, we could all die. That, that got a, that got exciting. But water water how it moves through pipes to different systems, mm, not, not so exciting. Oh, our social media manager is awesome, John Medina. Doctor John Medina is awesome. So ah, there you go. It's a good good book for anyone that's interested in uh, ten rules around uh, uh, around the brain and how to increase some learning opportunities. Okay. You don't, so, get, you don't get excited about moving, you know, liquid from one place to another. You know, I, it actually, it was, it was fascinating to a degree, but at some point the, it's like the structural dynamics of flow for any, uh, Patriot fans out there. That it's, uh, <laughs> probably like my like low key reference. That'll be entertaining to those who get it. <laughs> someone, someone will get it and they'll appreciate it. So, so let me ask you this question as a representative of customer education, whether you like it or not, you're representing the field right now. What are the challenges that you think the field customer education professionals are facing right now? What are, what are the big challenges we all need to be aware of? Big question. Ooh, 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 ooh. A lot of weight to that one. Um, it's, it's never just one huge thing. It's always a bunch of little things. And I think just the accessibility of, 
education and accessibility can refer to any type of uh, accessibility. It's like customer education as a field or as an industry has really made education more accessible. You can, you can learn without having to go set foot on a university campus about how to do something. So I used to be education was brick and mortar. Customer education has kind of redefined that. And while you can still have someone show up in a room and do training for an audience, that's great. We can get beyond that though and provide engaging educational materials through on demand. We can do virtual live events that we can really reach a broader audience and one that isn't in the room with us. So it's a global thing and it's amazing when you think about just that as a concept that you couldn't really do that, you know, 30 years ago, 20 years ago. So getting beyond all of that, um, also just providing for different, different types of learners. Um, we're understanding more and more about like, yeah, we, we do need to provide some of these accessibility features within um, all of our training content. Not everyone may, you know, be fully vision uh, or have full vision. So maybe videos aren't the best way for them to learn. Do we have an alternative? Do we have um, something for someone that may be hard of hearing? So it, it's really, it's kind of a blessing that we're all learning this because the awareness is creating just better content that can reach more people. So I'd, I'd say accessibility is just probably a good place to start and you don't have to be an expert in it. Maybe you start by providing transcripts of your videos as you're you know, publishing them to the different places. So that way, at least that option is there for those that need it. Beyond that, you can get into like closed captions or just making sure your, um, like your graphics and stuff on screen, you could provide the alt text on an image in a text lesson or um, just make sure your colors are fairly compliant and there's contrasts enough to be able to see you know, what you're trying to show. So all these little things kind of add in, but I would say that's, that's probably the biggest thing top of mind for me. Yeah, I love that. And for anyone, if anyone's looking for some good resources, I know the TechSmith blog has some articles about accessibility, particularly around images and video. And we did an interview with Ryan Knott. He is a TechSmith employee. He works on our marketing team. He knows a ton about accessibility. He actually did a presentation recently for the Learning Guild. So you can check out that in a past episode or in the podcast, wherever you want to find it, uh, also on the TechSmith blog. But we're about, we're about, out of time, a couple more questions, and we'll, then we're going to do the the infamous now, maybe famous infamous speed round. Um, before we we jump in speed round, one last question: If anyone wants to reach out to you, Cutler, how would they go about doing that? What's the best place to connect with you? Sure. So obviously, you can find me on LinkedIn. I guess that's probably the the easiest place to find me and connect. Uh, there aren't too many Cutler bleakers out there, so hopefully, just using the the name search will be enough for you to find me. Um, my, my headshot, I won't have, uh, you know, any beard. I feel like the headshot I used even for this promo, I was like, Oh, I need a new headshot. I, I don't I look get like that. that anymore. That's I, like when I see all the pictures with my, me with the beard, now it's all, you know, it's like, wait a second, that's, that's the wrong map. There's, Oh, it's your alternate, your evil twin, right? It's not, not bearded. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, but I will say, I will say real quick, yeah. like I love connecting with other people. So feel free to, to, even if you don't feel like connecting with me, send me a message, say, hey, let me know like what you're working on. Cause I, I learned so much just from talking to other people and, and uh, getting to hear their stories. Yeah, same, absolutely. So 
uh, Cutler, you you know the premise, but for those who've never heard the show or are new to the show, we do a speed round where we ask questions. The idea is to short, condense these answers down to short answers. So let's go ahead and dive in to today's speed round questions. Okay, Cutler, our first question for you is, what's the last woodworking project you completed? What did you make? Oh my, so early COVID, I just threw together like a plywood desk for my wife's office and it looked terrible. <laughs> and it was like, well, it works. It holds like your, your laptop. So uh, just two weeks ago, I um, created a, a new desk. It looks nice, kind of fun base. It's very clean and minimalistic. And yeah, it, it's a huge upgrade. So not, not a speed round question, but have you been doing woodworking for long? It's not like I, you said like what I'm open to talk about woodworking was one of them. So I thought, well, that's fair game. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's something that just kind of grew up around like my dad and, you know, grandparents always had tools and were working on stuff while some people may hear I'm a woodworker and think like, oh man, he's doing like Norm Abrams level stuff. That is not the case. I'm very just like, oh, I'm a functional woodworker. I need something and hey, I can make that. Uh, it's nice. usually a lot, lot easier for me to make it than to go out and buy it. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Okay, so next question: What is the best customer education experience you've had with another company? Ooh, oh man, I'm failing speed round right now. I just had a flood, <laughs> flood of onboarding just rush through my mind. Um, ooh. I'm not going to use you because that'll just make it sound like I'm being paid to be here. <laughs> um, honestly, I think I think it's also kind of weird. I was late to buy into the Apple ecosystem, and while I don't have everything I own in my house, like as an Apple product, their like materials that they provide and their kind of user onboarding and just first out of the box experience for things is probably one of the best uh, onboarding like, experiences I've had as a customer. And I associate onboarding with customer education. They taught me how to use what they gave me. Yeah, I love that. And you can't you can't deny they make great, like the, just the, from the delivery of the package, so the packaging and to opening to that first, those first initial experiences. It's an experience. Usually, yeah. It is, and that's what they designed it for. So it is, I, I think that's a, a great answer. So next question for you, what's one skill everyone working in customer, or wanting to work, so are working or wanting to work in customer education needs to have? So what's one skill everyone working or wanting to work in customer education needs to have? Uh, collaboration, like you have, to, you have to work with other people. It's never just a one person show, even if you feel you're a small team or maybe you're the only person on the customer education team, you have resources around you both internally and externally. So uh, collaboration is key. And I've learned so much just from our broader community. Yeah, what, I, I think that's a great answer. Okay, your last, almost last question. Where do you turn for inspiration? Ooh, man, I think looking through, you know, sadly, it depends on what I'm trying to be inspired by. Uh, Instagram may give me like inspiration on like how to do like this or that, but like professional inspiration, it's, it's really those resources through like LinkedIn, our, you know, customer education community, 
even looking at some of our, like I jump on calls with our customers and see the things they're working on and check out their site sometimes for the first time. It's like, oh, that's awesome. I love how they did that. I wanted to start doing that. And I think we learned so much from each other. It goes back to collaboration, but just being able to talk to other people and our community, which I love our community. I didn't know there was a customer education community, but I love it. And everyone's always so willing to help and talk to each other and share like tips and tricks. And I think Matt, you're the embodiment of that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I, I'll just say there is a, if you're into Slack customer, there's a customer education.org. I think it is. That's a great community. Oh my gosh. I learned so much from just listening and, and, and occasionally chatting with people that are from that community, but you're right. There's a really great, great, uh, group of people out there that are doing this work. And the nice thing is we know that we're all in the industry, whether we're working for different companies, they're just, people are, have been so willing to share ideas and thoughts. And so I'm glad, glad to be part of that really. So Keller, you know, the last question we ask in speed round, I, I saw you post about it on LinkedIn. So, <laughs> okay. What, what's, what um, you spent some time, you've probably way more time than most people do. So what's a question you'd like to ask me? All right. Question for Matt. Um, so obviously having access to video and recording production like tools, what's a fun project outside of your work that you've been asked to like help with? Every time a friend finds me and it's like, oh yeah, you, you have like lighting and camera, can you help me do this? Uh, it's like, that's not really what it's for, but like I can I can help. What What's yeah. that for you? You know, I to be fair, I, I I try not to do a too much uh, video stuff out of work, uh, just because I do I do a lot during it. Um, but I think the things that I've worked on personally, I've done a couple podcasts on my own. Um, one of them was this really crazy concept I'll share. It's called and it's no longer available, but it was called Five Trainers in a Car, and it started off with I was at an event and some people were like going out to dinner and someone, we were having this great conversation. Someone said, this would be really cool if it was a podcast. And I'm like, oh, hey, I happen to have a digital recorder in my pocket. Weird, I know. Um, and we recorded it and we, then I started doing that at events. So I'd go to events and we'd say like, hey, let's get in someone's car and drive around and have a, a conversation about one topic. Um, so I, that was kind of fun. It's not video, but it was audio related and it's amazing. Uh, you could get okay audio driving in a car, except for the windshield wipers and turn signals would click people. Like I had someone actually complain, like I could hear that when I was driving. I thought it was mine was on and you know, I was like, oh well. Um, outside of that, I, I actually did do a video project last year uh, at the end of the year around Christmas time, just a, a holiday message for, for my faith community. And that was really fun to, you know, put, put that together and bring in some assets and just make something that was kind of gonna be meaningful you know, in a very crazy year. So something to give people some, a little bit of inspiration and hopefully bring them a little bit of peace. But I try not to do too many things outside. I'm a very busy person outside of my, my, I got kids like crazy and, you know, they're busy and we're going to band concerts and choir concerts and running back and forth, all the stuff that parents all, all over the world have to do. And so, um, yeah, so I try not to do too much, but I, I love, I also I was hoping, a lot of hoping to work. hear it would have been like, hope it was going to hear, you know, Soccer little league team needs a highlight reel. Star wipe, star wipe. <laughs> I, I have, I've tried to like at one point. TechSmith had, has a tool that's called Coach's Eye that I used to take like my phone and try to do that with the kids because you can analyze like their kicks and and I just like you know what they don't want it. It's I get stressed out trying to do it, so I'm just let me just stick with my work. Oh, 
stick in my work area. You just keep it doing there. So nothing too crazy. I know maybe it's a disappointing answer, but uh, it's still fun. I do enjoy when I get a chance to do it, but uh, a lot of it's just work-based stuff. So, well, Cutler, thank you so much for joining me today. And we're so glad that you're here. We're going to wrap things up. Um, We'll, we'll be with you in just a second. But for everybody watching, listening, thank you so much. Make sure you like, subscribe, listen to the podcast, do all that good stuff and share it with your friends because we want them to know all the great things that we know as well. So, and with this said, if there's anything that you can do better, just keep practice and do it every day, just a little bit by little bit and level up every single day. And you know, if you're watching or li like what you're hearing, go check out some of the other episodes because we'd love to hear those as well. So many great guests over this last year and a half. And we'll be back with you again next week. Till then.